Uh, well, I lost my order of service, so I hope that I've come up at the right time. Is that correct? Oh, that's good. Okay. Very good. Thank you, Suzanne, very much. Um, I will just let the young people go out, and, uh, and then I will pray. Um, I, I probably need to say that uh, I've made four attempts at this sermon, so uh, I hope uh, it doesn't all come out uh, in a total muddle. So uh, I would like to start uh, with prayer. Almighty God and loving Heavenly Father, I would like to say thank you for Jesus. I thank you for all that he's done for us. I thank you also for the great gift of your Holy Spirit. And I would like to ask that your Holy Spirit would please help me, help me to have clear thoughts, and help me to say what you want me to say. And I do pray, Father, that you would have some word of encouragement for every single person here this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I, um, I think most of you probably know that I run a very small charity called Bringing Good News. And uh, one of the things that uh, we are doing is helping in South Sudan. And we have started two Bible schools in South Sudan. And one of them is in a wheel, and it has a very good principal of the Bible school. Uh, his name is uh, Reverend Peter Garang. And uh, this is an Episcopalian system. I don't understand it totally, but he was being enthroned as a bishop. And before his enthronement, he, he wrote to me and he said, Ian, uh, do you have any words of advice? Well, what do you say to a good principal of a Bible college who is going to become uh, a bishop? So I simply wrote back to him and I said, walk closely with Jesus. And he wrote back and he said, thank you very much for his advice. I guess either he's been very kind or he appreciated it. Uh, but it got me to thinking, what does it mean to walk closely with Jesus? And I started thinking and praying about it. And in fact, I wrote three or four sermons on the back of my thinking until I got to the sermon, Walking in Holiness. And part of the way through my studies on holiness, I became really convicted and I thought, my heart is not pure. My hands are not clean. So I stopped that sermon. And I hope one day I will be able to go back to that sermon because I do think it is really important because I think God does want us to lead holy lives. So I hope one day I will be able to go back. But a few months ago, I don't know exactly, I was reading through the book of Colossians. And that's what I want to speak on today. Um, if I can find my glasses, um, I can give you the page number. It's page 118 in your church Bibles. I'm very sorry, I must be a bit old-fashioned. I haven't got any notes up there. Um, I'm, I'm very sorry. I know that it's, it's, it's what people do today, but uh, I just... Anyway, I haven't done it. So it's on page 118, the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 9 to 12. And just as a background, there's this guy called Epaphras, 
and obviously he's been there preaching the gospel and he goes back to Paul and he tells Paul about the Colossians faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and of their love in the spirit and Paul is now writing to them and if we pick it up in verse 9 he this is what he is praying for them for this reason since the day we heard about you we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of God and it goes on there's a lot more you can say about this passage but that's enough for me okay so the apostle hears about these believers in Colossae and it says here that he does not stop praying and he is praying that they would know God's will this is a constant prayer that he is praying for them it isn't just an occasional prayer it is not a one-off prayer it says here that he is constantly praying he does not stop praying for the knowledge of God's will and he says through all spiritual wisdom or through spiritual revelation and understanding that they will get to know God's will through spiritual wisdom or spiritual revelation and through understanding and the first point that I would like to make is simply that he continuously is praying for God's will. He's constantly asking God to reveal his will. And my encouragement to us is this should be one of our regular prayers. Asking God that we may know his will and I am a very simple guy a very practical guy I don't have great long prayers and I tend to say the same prayers most days and there's four particular prayers that I pray nearly every day when I start in the morning I say Heavenly Father I thank you for your mercy that has brought me to the start of another day empty will be the gift of this day unless I grow in my knowledge of you unless I grow in my love for you unless I bear some form of spiritual fruit father help me to know you better help me to love you better help me to serve you better and then since uh, Paul uh, Robinson gave his talk a few months ago and introduced us to John Stott's prayer I have started praying that prayer every single day Heavenly Father I pray that today I would live 
in your presence and live a life that pleases you. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that today I would deny myself and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that today you would fill my life and help me to bear your fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I hope I've got the right order. I was meaning to check it before I came. And, and, and then there is the other, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May your kingdom come, may your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. And then another prayer, part of a larger prayer, I often pray. Father, help me to see what you want me to see. Help me to hear what you want me to hear. And help me to do what you want me to do. So I think we, I would encourage us to be praying every day. Give our lives, Lord, every day that we want to know your will and we want to do your will. And he says that this should come to us in two ways, through spiritual wisdom or spiritual revelation and through our understanding. And you can turn to it, but... It says in Philippians, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, a great thing happens. Not only are you forgiven, but God places his spirit within you. And his spirit is there whether you feel it or not. His spirit is there leading you and guiding you into the will of God and into the good plans and the good purposes of God. You may feel it, you may not feel it, but he is there working within you. Helen and I recently went to Lake District walking and I have to say two days it absolutely chucked it down. But anyway we still had a great time and and the last day which I thoroughly enjoyed, Helen didn't enjoy it so we came out onto this open moorland and I needed to use the compass to get us to the right place because it was a huge open moorland and I had to make sure we were in the right place. And for those of you who know a little bit, you know that you, get, you have a little dial and you put on the map and you get the right direction. And as you all know, that that needle always faces north. So you know you've got it and, and you're walking along like that because you know that all the time that needle is facing north. Well, God's spirit within you all the time is trying to face you towards Jesus and face you to doing the will of God. He's at work within you. And I take great encouragement for that, that he's there helping us. And sometimes you will be reading the Bible or listening and suddenly you'll get a really clear thought. Something will come into your mind or you will get something on your heart that God's Spirit gives you. But I tell you, I take great encouragement. Again, I ought to give you all the Bible verses. I realize I'm not a very good expository preacher. It's Acts chapter 16, 6 to 7. There, Acts 16, 6 to 7, if you want to know, there is Paul on a missionary journey. 
And I think he's in a place called Bithynia or Fergia or, or somewhere. And he is wanting to go up, it's basically into Asia, into northern Turkey. And it says there that the Holy Spirit stops him from going. Now, it doesn't tell us how the Holy Spirit stopped him, but the Holy Spirit stopped him from going in that direction. In the end, he got the Macedonian call and he traveled west instead, and the whole of Western Europe was opened up to the gospel. Now, I don't know how the Holy Spirit worked, but I take great comfort in that. If I am praying that I will walk in the will of God, if that is my desire and that is my prayer, I take great comfort that the Holy Spirit will stop me from taking the wrong direction. The Holy Spirit will give me some sort of da-da-da-da-da-da, stop, a stopping, you know. He will stop me. And I take great comfort in that. If I'm absolutely honest with you, most of the time, I really don't know. I don't know if God wants me to go to this country or this country or help this person or that person. But I trust God's Spirit. That if I'm seeking God's will, he will lead me and he will guide me. So that's the first, God's spirit at work in you. But then it says, and through understanding. I think it also means through our rational intelligence as we read the Bible, as we study, as we think, as we ponder, as we seek to know God's will, and as we lead his instructions and his commands and his precepts, slowly we will get to know the will of God. So he's praying constantly, and he is praying that they would know God's will. And if they walk in the will of God, it says here that we may live a life worthy of the Lord, may please him in every way, bear fruit in every good work, and that we will grow in the knowledge of God. So if we can learn to walk in the will of God we will bear a life that brings honor to the Lord Jesus Christ, brings pleasure to God. We will bear fruit, and we will really get to know God. Well, that's pretty good. So the question is, how much, how much do we really want to know the will of God? How much do you really want to know the will of God? How much do you really, really want to know the will of God? How hungry, how hungry are we to know God's will? Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. And I think it starts with that desire. It's that desire, Lord, I really, really want to know your will. I want to live a life that is worthy of the Lord. I want to live a life that brings you pleasure. 
I want to bear fruit and I want to know you. I think we all have speakers and we all have um, teachers that we particularly like and what appeals to one person does not necessarily appeal to another. But there's a guy called R.C. Sproul and he is an American Bible teacher. He died this year. But for me, his Bible teaching is absolutely brilliant. And I love uh, listening to him. I've downloaded some of his uh, audio and some of his videos. And I'm trying to get in the habit every night of listening to one of his talks. Well, it so happened that he had a talk on knowing the will of God. <laughs> so I thought, well, okay, this is, this is pretty good. I'll, I'll listen to what he has to say. Um, he really opened me up to, 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 to a lot of understanding about the will of God. I don't know if I can communicate it particularly well, but one of the things that I came to realize through R.C. Sproul is that you have what he called the revealed will of God. God reveals a great deal about himself, about his desires, about his commands, about what he wants. He reveals a great deal in the Bible. And as we study the Bible and we get to know the Bible, we will get to know a great deal about the will of God. But there is also a hidden will of God. God does not tell us everything. There are things that he just simply does not tell us. And the Bible is very clear that we should not use magic, we should not use sorcery, we should not use the occult to try and find out the hidden things of God. But God sometimes seems to leave things hidden because he wants us to walk in faith. He won't tell you everything. He will tell you a lot of things. There's this revealed will of God, but there is also the hidden will of God. And he wants us at those times to walk in in faith. And it says in the Bible, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So there are times when his will is hidden because he wants you to walk in faith. I don't know if it's relevant, but because I've learned it, I'm going to pass this bit of information on. There is also the decreed will of God, or there is the sovereign will of God, and there is, I hope I've got the right word for those who are theologians, the preceptive will of God. So you have the decreed or sovereign will of God and you have the prescriptive will of God. The decreed or sovereign will of God is when God says, this is going to happen and it happens. God speaks. And the universe comes into existence. God speaks and says, let there be light. And there is light. God says, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And God says things like to David, 
somebody in your family, one of your, one of your family will become a king on your throne forever and forever and forever. And hundreds of years passed and Jesus Christ is born of the line of David and becomes that eternal king. So there is the decreed sovereign will of God. When God says something is going to happen, it happens. But there is also what, uh, I think I've got the right, the preceptive will of God, when God might say, do not steal. That's his command. Do not steal. But people steal. He might say, walk in the truth. But people lie and people deceive. God allows that to happen. I don't understand it. But God allows it. And what I would say about the will of God is this. I would encourage us all to start by studying the commands, the precepts, the things that God has revealed. Because the more we study the things that God has revealed, the more we will know God and the more we will know what pleases God. Because ultimately, surely, that is what we want. We want to live a life that is pleasing to God. We want to bear fruit, and we want to know our God. In addition to that, let's call that the general will of God. God has a general will for all of our lives. And I can tell you that the general will of God is that we should be holy. God wants us to live holy lives. God wants us to live righteous lives. God wants us to obey his commands. And that's the general will of God. But in addition, there is what I would call the specific will of God. God has given you gifts, abilities, talents, and we are all different. And he calls us different, and he gives us different vocations. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 10, it says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. God has something for each one of us. He's gifted us, he's given us abilities, he's given us talents. And I want to come back to that in just a minute. But I want to tell you, you might be a quiet, shy person here. You may feel that you don't have a great deal to offer. But let me tell you this. If you're walking with Jesus and you are seeking to know the will of God, you can minister life. You can impart life to other people. Wherever you serve, whatever you do, you can impart life. You can encourage, you can strengthen other people's faith, you can serve, you can help you may think you're a very ordinary person, but you 
can minister life. Now, this next part, <laughs> I have pondered. I really pondered. And this may be for nobody here. I may be talking to the ceiling. But I can't let it go. So I just want to, to throw out the next bit. As a young believer, as a young Christian, I, I went to a tear fund meeting. And there was a guy talking about tear fund. And, and, and this man walks into the room. And it turns out to be George Hoffman. George Hoffman was the director of tear fund. And he walks into this room, I didn't really know who he was, and he gave a very short talk. And I've never forgotten that talk. And he said that as a younger man, he went to some sort of political rally. And one of the people there had a big rosette. And on the rosette were the words, who knows, who cares, why bother? Who knows, who cares, why bother? And obviously, as George Hoffman said, this was a political statement. They were the party who cared. But he took that and he said, if you want people to bother, they need to care. And if you want them to care, they need to know. Because if you don't know, you won't care. And if you don't care, you won't bother. And he went on to talk about, of course, God knows, God cares, God bothered. But that came back to me time and time again. If you don't know anything about somebody or you don't know about a situation, you won't care because you don't know. And if you don't care, you won't bother. And it starts by getting to know people and situations. And out of that knowing, you start to care and you start to bother. I'd like to tell you about a man I met this year called Jia Hong Gear. Jia Hong Gear. Difficult name. I was introduced to Jia Hong Gear in Tajikistan. Never met him before. And Salim, who is a friend of mine who acts as my translator, said, will you meet some leaders that you have not met before? So I said, yes. And he introduced me to Jahangir. And we were standing in front of a beautiful church building that had been built by the Koreans. I had not seen a church building like this in Tajikistan before. It was a beautiful church building and a training center, and it had been closed. And Jahangir told me how the authorities wanted this building. And they called the ten directors of the church together with the pastor, and they said to the directors, we want you to sign over this church building to us. Otherwise, we will send the pastor to prison. I wonder what I'd have done if I was the pastor. He shook his head to the ten directors, and they refused to sign. And true to their word, the directors, uh, sorry, the, the authorities, probably the KGB, we know who we mean, but the authorities put him in prison for three years. 
Now Jahangir takes over the church as senior pastor. And he said, I have been to church, I have been to court seven times. Seven times. He said, we won the first four court cases. And on the fourth one, the authorities said, don't bring this back again to us. It's settled, it's dealt with. The church, the building belongs to the church. But they took it to a different court. The fifth time, they won again. But they lost the sixth and they lost the seventh. And the church and the training center had been closed. And Salim is sitting there and he says to me, Ian, now is the time to encourage him. And you think, oh. Fortunately, and again, I think it was God's spirit, popped a thought into my mind. When I first started the charity, there was somebody called Paul Latworth, Meg Latworth's son. And Paul said to me, he said, Ian, are you just interested in projects or are you interested in people? And I thought, he's absolutely right. It's people. It's investing in people. So I talked to Jahangir about what Paul had said, and I said, look, I know that it is heartbreaking that you have lost this beautiful church and this training center, and it must hurt you deeply. But there is one thing that the authorities cannot take away from you. What you have invested in the lives of other people. The training that you have given other people cannot be taken away. I now care about Jahangir. Before this year, I never knew him. Who knows who cares why bother? I would just like to throw it out. I don't know God's call on your life. I don't know what God wants you to do with your life. But my life was changed when I spent two weeks in an orphanage. I spent two weeks in an orphanage in Ukraine. And I can still picture the poverty, the smells, the awful, awful food. And I simply thought to myself, I'm sure I can help these children. Two weeks changed my life. For the first time, I knew what it was like children in these orphanages. I go to the brick kilns in Pakistan. I never wanted to go to Pakistan. And now my heart, I want to go to Pakistan. I've seen these brick kilns. I've seen the families in the brick kilns. I've seen slaves, Christians, making bricks all day long. Who knows? Who cares? Why bother? There is a multitude, a multitude 
of need out there in the developing world. Huge need. And I don't know what God's call is upon your life. But if he puts it on your heart or puts it into your mind, I would encourage you, give it a try. Spend a couple of weeks, go somewhere. Know, get to know. And let me tell you this. If you go to be a blessing, you will find that you receive a hundred times back what you're given. I have met some incredible people, some amazingly courageous people serving the Lord, people of great faith. And I have had a wonderful adventure with the Lord. And I only throw it out that if God puts it upon your heart or in your mind, give it a whirl, give it a try. You might be able to make a profound difference in the lives of a whole group of people. If you don't know, you won't care. And if you don't care, you won't bother. Now, I've no idea about time. My wife said keep it short. I'm sure I haven't been short. But please, I think this next bit is also really important. I will try to say it as clear as I can. As I say, I really, really like R.C. Sproul, and and he helped me uh, with something. There may be some of you sitting here this morning saying, I don't really know what God wants me to do. I don't know what God's will is is for my life. And if you're making notes, could you write prayer, M-A-P, prayer map? Because what I'd like you to do this week is to think about your prayer map. And map, not mat, map. Okay, and I would like to turn to Romans chapter 12. I am very nearly finished. I'm sorry if it's been too long. But Romans chapter 12... And and this is the bit we often talk about on worship, Romans chapter 12, about offering our bodies as living sacrifice. But picking up in verse 2, it says, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now this is the next bit. This is the next bit. Okay. For by the grace given me, I say to everyone, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. It's not talking about being drunk and being sober. It is talking about being sensible, being thoughtful, Sit down and think carefully and soberly. Don't have an inflated view of yourself, nor underestimate yourself. But think about the gifts and the abilities that God has given you. Now we're doing this in prayer, that's why I say prayer map. 
We are praying for God's will that we may live a life that honors God, that we might please him, that we may bear fruit, and that we may know him. So that is the background prayer. M-A-P. P stands for pattern. I would like you to think this week, is there a pattern in your life? We all understand what we mean by pattern, but is there a pattern? Is there a way that you, are, you notice that you are drawn to serving? Is there a pattern where you find that when you do something, there is a sense of pleasure, there is a sense of satisfaction? Is there a pattern where other people compliment you. When you do something to help or you do something in this way, people say to you, that was really good. That was an encouragement. Well done. Pattern. A. Ability. What talents and abilities has God given you? Think about it soberly, he says. Don't have an overinflated ego, nor underestimate what God has given you. But he has given you certain abilities. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. He has given us abilities. A, abilities. M, motivation. Some people would call it passion. But what really motivates you? Think about it. What motivates you? And R.C. gave what I thought was a great illustration. First of all, about abilities. He's on the golf course, and apparently he's near the last hole, and there's a young girl in front of me, five foot nothing, he describes her as. And this girl says, would you like to play through me? And he says, no. He says, this is the last hole, I'll wait. And she said, I'm on my own, you're on your own, shall we play together? So he said, okay, we play together. So he tees off, hits his shot down the fairway. Pretty good shot. She tees up, five foot nothing. Whack! The ball goes 30 yards past his. And she scores a birdie. Apparently a birdie is a good shot, by the way. Anyway, she scores a birdie. And he talks to her and and, and he says, you know, and he finds out she is the woman's champion of this whole area. But then he goes on to say, but if you look in any golfing books, you'll never find her name. Because at the age of 20, she put away her golf clubs and never played golf again. Because she hated golf. Her father had forced her into playing golf. And although she had the ability, she did not have the motivation. And then motivation. And again, R.C. gave a great illustration. He obviously quite liked sport as a younger man. And he liked ice hockey. And he was always praying that it would be cold so the ice rink would remain frozen so that after school he could play hockey. And he had great motivation to play hockey. But he said, I had no ability. And he said, I couldn't get that putt into the net. He said, I'd fall in the net, but I could not get that putt into the net. So he had great motivation, but no ability. So think about what motivation has God given you? Map. What abilities and what is the patterns? And he said, 
and I agree with him. God will never ask you to do something. He will never, sorry, he will never call you to do something that you hate doing. Oh, very interesting. Because if you hate doing it, you'll give it up. So whatever God's spirit in you is saying is God's will, it will be good, pleasing, and perfect for you. And if God calls you, whatever God calls you to, whatever life work God calls you to, he will also give you the ability and he will give you the motivation. I've spoken a very long time. I'm sorry, I haven't kept it short. But I've tried to say, if we want to live a life pleasing to God, we need to live a life walking in the will of God. I'd encourage you, pray regularly, pray every day that you would know God's will and expect him to reveal it either through his spirit or or through your understanding of scripture. I've tried to say that there are the revealed things of God, but there are also the hidden things of God. And when we don't know, he expects us to walk in faith. I've talked about who knows, who cares, why bother? Because if you don't know about somebody, you don't know about a situation, you won't care. And if you don't care, you won't bother. And finally, I've tried to give some tips. If you don't know what God's call on your life is, prayer map. Think about it this week. What is your prayer map? Let me just have a few moments of silence. And then I'll hand over. Heavenly Father, I simply pray. that in these moments of quiet, if you want to say anything to us, you would do so. Help each one of us to know what you want us to do.